Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something trans woman shares her observations, life stories, and the adventures of her journey through transition and beyond. And now, here she is, your host, Sabrina Miller. Hey, yay, hi everyone, hello, hello, and welcome to Changes in Latitudes. Give it up for the band, that's Caitlin G and the Non-Binary Band. Oh yeah, they get better every week, I love them. Thank you so much for being part of the show. You are just amazing. That's all I can say. Caitlin G and the non-binary band. No relation to each other. They just like to play in the band. I, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I just... Hey, stream of consciousness. What can I say? I make notes and then I do it. Oh, that sounds bad. Um, <laughs> I make notes and then I record it. So, anyhow, welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, now, this technically, technically, is the official... Uh, first show of 2015 in that I am recording it in 2015. I know last week's episode was published in 2015. Well, it wasn't recorded there, you know. <laughs> Just be glad you got an episode, okay? Okay. Uh, so, I hope everyone's been well. I hope you got through the holidays. You're here with me now. So, you know, obviously you did. And for those, you know, listening down the road, if it's not the holidays for you, um... I'm sure you remember the holidays, so you know what I'm talking about. Everybody knows the holidays. Anyway, welcome, welcome, and welcome. Uh, last episode, by the way, uh, just to catch everybody up, if you're listening out of sequence so you know what's you just listened to or what you might be listening to if you're going backwards, I don't know, um, or to refresh you if it's been a while, uh, a week. <laughs> it was it was just how the internet helped me out. I, I it was a long process that started before the internet was available, and it was a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, all the way up until I came out. I mean that's some it, that's summing it up, but that's what it was. And I'm, I'm what I'm about to say next here. I'm gonna uh, get back to. Later in the show, uh, during the listener feedback section, I want to mention it up front here at the top of the show. I realize that I kind of ramble when, when I'm recording. And a lot of the time, folks, I swear I do my best to take it out. I self-edit as I speak with you to give you, you know, what I'm talking about. Uh, that's just the, I, 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 my, my, my pref, how can I say? My concept pref, uh, premise, there's the word, of the show is me sharing this moment in time with you and I just happen to be the one talking all the time. I, I don't know. That's 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 my thought on on the show here. And sometimes I stutter, and sometimes I ramble, and sometimes I get way off track, and sometimes I think so hard about something that I waver on. You know, like five or six years, seven or eight years, ten years, twenty years. I don't know what I'm talking about. 
And that's just part of me. My brain tries to really pinpoint stuff, but it has a hard time. So in my editing process of a few episodes now, I've realized, wow, that gets really annoying. <laughs> I mean, you can forgive it, but if it's every episode, it gets annoying. So, so ladies and gentlemen, to you, I will do my absolute best to not do that and or, notice I put it and or in clause there, uh, I will take it out of the show when, during the edit. So there you go. Um, but if it happens, it happens, realize it's me. It's part of, you know, part of the show. It's the character of me and how I am. (laughs) So I just, I want, mostly I want you to know I'm aware of it and I do my best to take care of it. Hey, I made a rhyme. Yay. Um, but ultimately, if I do do that and, and it bothers you, I'm, I, I do apologize because I, I listen to the show enough in the editing process that I, I, I understand some of the frustrations. Believe me, I'm, I'm super critical. But just because I want a good product out there. That's all. I, 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 I take pride in what I put out in the, in the... Oh, wow, that sounded dirty. I'm so sorry. I take pride in what I produce in, in my show. And so... So if it bothers me, I'm sure it bothers some other people out there. And uh, just so everybody knows, if if you're listening out of sequence, I make an outline about what I want to talk about. I make certain points, and then I connect them as I speak with you. That's really it. Stream of consciousness. All right. So uh, what's the good spiel? You know, the the website, we're over on Blogspot, Changes in Latitude podcast over at blogspot.com. Check us out there. On that, you'll find links for uh, iTunes, Stitcher. And oh hey, I added I added something new over this uh, over the holiday season. I added an audience survey. There's a link on the sidebar on the on the the right and the um, at the bottom at the bottom of the website. If you if you could take a few minutes and just fill it out, I mean it's marketing. I'll be honest with you guys, it's marketing, but it's part of the uh, process that I'm building. That's the key. It's a building process to hopefully get some sort of uh, sponsorship. It's way down the road because I've got to beef up my downloads, so it's not going to happen for... Oh, I need I need a total of 20 downloads every 90 days, or 20,000 downloads every 90 days. So i got to get a lot more episodes out there, <laughs> is, my, is my thought. And, and that's the key, that people are just going to be downloading them as they come. So anyway, uh, that's, that's enough of that spiel. If you could take the audience survey, that would be wonderful. But if you don't want to, then don't worry about it. It's cool if you, if you can, and it's cool if you can't. You know me. I, I, I'm, that's just how I am. Anyway, moving forward... All right, main topic of the show, main topic, uh, bathrooms. And usually I do, uh, if I'm going to talk about something like this, I do a little more thought and a little more, well, I don't want to say research because it's not like I search the internet for stuff all the time. If, if, if just like normal people, if I have a question, I turn to my nearest search engine, which my preference is Google. So I, I use that as reference, but use your favorite, whatever. And, um... And I suppose on my iPhone, I use Safari a little more than Google. So Safari and Google are my, are my things. Okay. Well, I, but I use Google on Safari. Safari is the browser. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, um, for this particular topic, I didn't really get a lot of time because of the holidays, but also the need to really jot down everything. So that's where I'm starting from in this, this topic of bathrooms. Let's just 
call it what it is. I was living as a male for 20, uh, 20, <laughs> I wished 40 years, 42 years, technically 41, you know, right in there as I started to transition. And I was thinking, this is what I thought about when I thought about this episode. It was, I remember going, I was in grade school and I remember going into the bathroom, you know, it's time. Okay. The bell's about to ring. Everybody use the bathroom before going to the class. You know, that's, that's what they do when you're in, I don't know, third grade, second grade, somewhere right in there. Uh, maybe even earlier, maybe first grade. I, I, I'm, it, it, it all kind of just melds together after a while. So my, what I'm trying to do is think of specific images of the schools I was in because I went to different schools, um, throughout my, uh, uh elementary school and, uh, uh, well, mostly elementary school, uh, career most. And that's because my parents and, and everything moved around. So different school districts and this and that, and had the private school for a year or a few so yeah. Anyway, long story about that. Maybe I'll talk about that later. It's not that, that really relevant. It's just part of my history. And so I have different images of school. So I'm trying to remember which school I see in this in the background of my mind. And the one I see tells me um, uh, third grade. So I'm sure it happened before that, but I know for a fact third grade. And I remember walking into the bathroom, and it was the. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I, well, I, <laughs> I haven't really been in a male, a, a bathroom made, designed for men, males, in a very long time. A very long time in the sense of, I don't really remember. I mean, I have a couple thoughts, memories, yes, but not very many. Uh, but the last time I was in one, <laughs> it, uh, I, I, I think they have gone away with the whole trough concept i think it's only schools or or locker rooms or something that has the have them and i've never really played any sports so i never really was in any locker rooms i mean high school you had a locker in there to change your clothes but you know you took the lock with you so <laughs> you lock up your clothes for pe and then you come in and shower change and that's it anyway everybody went through that and i'll apologize now if there's any background noise I know I'm about 10 or so minutes in. Um, I'll apologize if there's any background noise. I'm in my Studio G for garage. Yeah, I'm in the garage band studio. And so um, if there's background noise, I got, I've explained in past episodes, there's appliances in the works here. And, you know, I, with a family, I got to do what I got to do. And sometimes there's going to be a little background noise because I got a life. <laughs> Anyhow. In, I remember in this third grade bathroom, well, the bathroom that was designed for that particular school, which went to uh, sixth grade, fourth, fifth grade for that area, and then sixth grade in other locations. And there was a big trough, long trough. Well, yeah, to, a, to a third grader, you know, size is kind of relevant, but, you know, it was huge. And I, I just, I was awkward. I remember it being just awkward to like, oh, this is where we go to the bathroom? Because it was one of the first ones I had ever seen. I, 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 I hadn't really seen one in any of the restaurants uh, my family and I dined in. I hadn't really seen them. I mean, when you're camping, it doesn't count because it's camping. I get that. But in, you know, in facilities that you're going to be in every day for multiple times and lengths of day, uh, it was just weird to see. So I just remember being in third grade and thinking that was awkward. 
not awkward enough to use the stall, because there was only one or two stalls, and of course, they had no doors. Yay, no doors. Yeah, fun times. Um, so, you know, you're either going to be at the toilet and people can see, or you're either going to stand at the trough and people can see. So, you know, whatever. And, um... I guess I got used to that awkwardness as time went on. Uh, I, I don't know how, I don't know why I didn't put much thought into bathroom usage. It was just, it's, you know, because back then, and when I say back then, I mean the late 70s, uh, th- there was no you di- it, uh, gender dysphoria or, or, or however you want to label it. You know what I'm talking about. There was there was no words for it. There was no terms for it. There was there was nothing about it at all. And and the only thing I remember the first time I went, huh? You can do change genders. You a guy can become a girl. A boy can become a girl. What's this? Um, and that was transsexuals. And again, that was like the the elephant in the room that you didn't talk about. You knew about it. You just didn't talk about it. It was one of those things. So I know. So because of how well this is how I am, you know, back in the day, I must use this particular restroom because of the outer shell of my body. This is what tells me the birth certificate, you know, whatever, um, tells me I must use this bathroom with the M or B for boys or whatever it was, whatever it was, and so I never really thought any differently or awkward about it. It was just the concept of the trough. Well, to this day, it's still awkward. Uh, it just really is. And I'm glad that they've moved away from that. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe people realized, hey, I need a little privacy to urinate, you know, whatever. Um, it's cool because that really helps out the F to M's uh, for those that are uh, packing or you know don't, don't have any uh, corrective surgeries yet or anything like that. Uh, I'm sure those privacy stalls with a little bit of uh, of uh, of a uh, uh, what's a word? Uh, partial wall dis- wall area really helps. I can t- only imagine. And and I remember being not, well not ashamed, but I remember being uh, uh, protective of anyone seeing uh, my my front. We'll say uh, not in the sense of of needing to you know be hi- hidden away in the in a stall i could still you know stand and urinate fine i just don't look at me here so um of course i think a lot of guys go through that it's, it's that awkward thing i don't know anyway um i just always remember wanting to get out of the bathroom as quickly as possible um I, i'm not entirely sure why i just remember that that was that was my experience in general Using bathrooms, and I mean public bathrooms, as a male. Uh, now that I've come out and I've, uh, you know, been living full time, you know, starting my transition, uh, obviously I've been using the women's restrooms, and I have to say it is so much nicer to be able to go into a, the privacy of a little room, sit down, do your business. Uh, uh, put yourself back together, we'll say, get dressed, you know, put everything together there, and then go out, wash your hands, and go. There, It's just, I don't know, it's just a lot more comforting to have that privacy. It's really cool. And it feels so natural. That's 
one of the words I remember thinking to myself when I thought about this this episode. I was like, okay, sitting here, what does natural? That's the word. And yeah, it's still a public restroom or the bathroom at the restaurant or whatever. It's the same feeling as long as it's not dirty, grimy. You know, don't get me wrong. If it's a stinky, you know, rest area sort of <laughs> sort of bathroom, of course I'm going to be grossed out like everybody would. It's a bathroom, <laughs> but. In a restaurant that's trying to do their best to keep their bathrooms all nice and clean and pretty and all that, I have, um, I just, it feels so natural and comfortable. I have no problem in going to the bathroom. So, you know, if they're, if they're doing their business and keeping it clean, then excellent, it's a bathroom. And so it just feels so natural. It's, it's crazy. And the first few times, which, happened like uh, 10, 11 years ago, early 2000s, you know, between 2002, 2004. And it was, it was nerve wracking because you're always, you're always wondering, is, is somebody going to see me as, you know, a guy in a dress or, you know, whatever label you want to put on it? In the past, you used to say, am I passing? So, you know, it, it's just, there's so many different ways to look at the same thing that happened then. You know, but anyway, it was very nerve wracking in the very beginning, incredibly. I mean, I remember being in the stall and just hoping my legs looked right. Okay. That's just one of the weird, bizarre things that runs through your mind, you know, or do my feet look feminine enough or whatever. And this is, you know, in tennis shoes. <laughs> so who cares? Everybody's feet are in tennis shoes. But the longer uh, time went by and the more times I used the restroom, the more comfortable I felt. It was, it was just how I was in time, you know? It was just how time was. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Um, it, just, it was more and more comfortable to just go in, do the thing, and wash up and leave. It was uh, it, compared to going as a guy into the guy's room and just how... The energy is different. And now I'll admit, in the last 12 months, um, well, okay, we'll say, since I came out publicly in April, there have been a few times when I had to, quote-unquote, uh, present mail. And I'm not even going to get into that. It's just parts of life of things that you just got to do to, you know, do. Things have to happen a certain way. And so you make a sacrifice now and again for a few hours at a time. I'm not talking like a weekend. I'm not talking like a week or even a full day. I'm talking hours at a time. The most was five, I think. So, you know, big deal. I got the rest of the day and the rest of my life to be the woman that I am. So so what if right now I have to do a few hours you know, you know sporadically throughout the year as a guy right now in my early transition I don't care ask me that again in 2 3 5 years you know let's cover that topic then if 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 I have to <laughs> I don't even expect to have to that's why I'm like okay I don't care right now um because it just has to be done anyway um I had a couple of those within the last, well, since I started the podcast, since October of 2014, and literally, I think it was two or three, they kind of blend together, so it's hard to say, 
and I don't try to really remember them. Why do I want to remember these times when it's really uncomfortable? <laughs> um, and right now I realize why, because I want to share it with you. But at the time, I wasn't really thinking about it. So I noticed because these this this experience happened far after I came out and was just basically considered living as me that I had to you know use a, a public male restroom in a restaurant and the main thing I noticed is it was not necessarily dirtier but the sense of being in there was dirtier I, I not and not that the bathroom was dirty. I don't mean that. It was just a feeling. I mean, the bathroom was as clean as could be. It had nothing to do with cleanliness. It was just a, a feeling of dirtiness. I don't know why. I mean, I kind of do. I'm a trans woman, and you know that's not my bathroom. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I walked up to a stall out of habit <laughs> when I walked in. Kind of walked right by the urinals and looked at them like, what are the? Oh, right, that's what those are. I'm in this bathroom right now. Okay. All right. Okay. And you know, did my business, washed up, left, and just kind of felt, well, that was weird. And that's why I can really say being in the woman's restroom just feels so natural, just so comfortable. That's where, that's it. I don't know. That's what it's supposed to be. So as my own experiences with with two different gender bathrooms, it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me. But um, now, ultimately, I know people are asking, so what about harassment? Have you ever been harassed in the bathroom? Um, a short answer, no. Uh, I did have some looks in my early days of cross-dressing. But, okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, I think it was more self-inflicted now that I can look back 20 years and realize that it was all in my head. But you know, that's part of the growth. That's part of the learning process. That's part of life. That's life experience. That's that's what that's what the journey of life is. No matter what what your gender status, cis, uh, trans, or non-binary, or whatever, you know, that's not that's not that doesn't matter. Life experience is life experience, and it makes you who you are today. So to have experienced both bathrooms. In, a, in, in, in my youth, in the sense of, well, this is where I'm supposed to go, to the, okay, this is the first few times I'm in a female restroom, it feels kind of weird, to now I have to go back into the guy's room, just randomly here and there, at, looking as a guy, I should say, let's <laughs> make sure that's, make sure y'all know I'm talking about that. Anyway, uh, and experiencing it from from a different point of view, it's really really amazing honestly to have that life experience think about all the people in the world who do not have that experience trans people do and and gender fluid people and it's just a really cool experience and i i just got off on a tangent as as far as you know uh being uh mocked or or in the in the past it was called you know being read you know did they read me and it was basically not passing. And so whatever, that's just a term that was back in the day. And so it was, that was what was always in your mind at the time going into the, to, for, well, for me at the time, it was the women's restroom. And no, I never really got any, any harassment in there. It's not like anybody, ever, what's a guy doing in the women's restroom? That was never said. That never happened. But... I just had some looks here and there, you know, oh, that's a, 
butch-looking woman. So who knows why? Maybe maybe that particular woman was interested in you know masculine-looking women at the time. And this is twenty years ago, so I don't know. And so now it's just second nature. I don't even think twice about it. I just go in, do my thing, and done. I don't care. It's not like I hang in there and kind of conversation. I mean, if somebody says something, I'm going to react. It's not because it's a bathroom I won't say anything. But usually people are not in there having conversations. And if they are, they're usually with the individual that they walked in with or the group that they walked in with. Two or three ladies are going to have a conversation and continue whatever it is from outside. They finish their little bits and then that's it. Then they go on out and they start it up again. But that's all the conversation that's really happening unless you're talking about a parent parenting their child. You know, that that happens. <laughs> so, And that happens in either bathroom, so it doesn't really matter. And so as far as harassment goes, not really any. And I'm lucky. I know I am. I know I am. Because I for up until only maybe a couple months ago, at this point, this is January, so two, three months ago, I wasn't 100% confident, you know, going into the bathroom. I just wasn't. I mean, I did my thing and was out, but I wasn't as comfortable and confident as I am now. And that's just because of time. Um, but... Within the last uh, eight months or so, when I have had to use, had when I've had to be a guy for a few hours and had to use the guy's room, <laughs> one <laughs> one time I I went in, did my business. Uh, we were I was at the sink and washing up. And if you've seen my pictures, my hair is it's not short, but it's not long, long. It's you know, I don't know about shoulder just thereabouts right now as I speak in this recording and I'm probably going to get it cut in the next month or so cut, cut styled I don't know uh, it's something I've been wanting to do so I haven't really decided yet but I like my hair long because I've had longer hair in the past so I don't know we'll, we'll play it by ear and see what happens anyway and I had it back I think in a ponytail a low ponytail if I remember correctly and <laughs> Some guy opened the door, walked in, and went, Oh, I'm sorry. Looked at the door, meaning the sign on the door, looked back at me and went, Okay. And then continued in and started to do his business. And then as he was in there, he's like, I'm sorry. The hair threw me. And I went, Oh, that's okay. I get that. And so what that told me was the length of and curliness of my hair back in the ponytail. He read woman, which was so awesome because I was just wearing jeans and I don't know, some probably some button down shirt or a Hawaiian shirt or something like the T-shirt. No, that, that location, I, I wouldn't know not have worn a T-shirt. So some some semi nice looking shirt. And so uh, <laughs> it was it was more confidence, more of a, yep, that's what you should see <laughs> rather than, than anything else. But I couldn't say that to him. I was like, ah, it happens all the time. And then. Uh, one of the other times I walked in and it just felt, well, you, you know what it felt like? It would feel like when, uh, well, maybe not everybody has this experience, but I have. In my youth, in, in uh, grade school, I think every child is interested in seeing the bathroom of the opposite gender because it's uncharted territory. It's just a bathroom, yes, but you don't know what's in there because you haven't seen it. It's the one place that little boys and men are not allowed to go. 
flip the coin over, it's the one place that the women and little girls are not supposed to go. Unless it's a, you know, the child is going in with the parent. Okay, who cares what gender the child is when they when the parent goes into the appropriate bathroom? So unless you're accompanied by a parent, you're not going to see the inside of the opposite gender's bathroom as a kid, usually. Because usually when you're old enough to go, you go on your own, if that's the case. Um, at least I did as a kid. Maybe not so much anymore. But uh, it's still, you know, you reach a point and you're like, okay, you know, you're 17. You don't have to be accompanied to the bathroom. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm joking. Um, but you get the point. And so I remember probably second or third grade, I remember just going into the, not just, you know, nonchalantly walking into the women's restroom, but some, I think some girl was like, yeah, it's clear. Come on in. Meaning she and a couple other friends were there and it's like, oh, this is what it looks like. All right. Well, that's what it's interesting to a second grader, third grader. <laughs> okay. And of course, I think at some other point we showed her the guy's room. Well, okay. It's what you did. And I don't know, we were covert about it because we never got in trouble and it's not like we hung out in there. We quickly looked around and then left. So it was that awkward, I shouldn't be in here feeling that I got as the second or third grader that I got again most recently when I was having to be a guy for the few hours and going in the guy's room. I mean, nobody was in there. I was just in there doing my thing and left. And I was like, okay, this just feels awkward. And that's the same awkwardness I felt. So it's been weird going back and forth in, in the course of my life. Uh, and each gen, each bathroom has presented its own awkwardness at different times. Kind of strange. And I think we're done now. So I'm going to end this segment with the sound effect. second part of the episode um this as i was trying to like i said putting together the episode i couldn't really think of a secondary topic that would be really relevant and it was new year's eve and the family we're we're at home we got a two-year-old we're not really gonna run out and go party although part of me really wants to because i'm finally me but even 20 years ago i wasn't a big partier I wasn't. I mean, I would love to socialize and things like that, but if I'm going, especially on New Year's Eve, if I'm going out, I want a guaranteed way home safely, and I'm not always so sure about cabs, so I'm, I'm more, you know, talking about a friend, because the cab might be celebrating, the cab might be driving fast, so he get more, gets more fares. You know, I get it. It's his business, her business. I get it. It's fine. But nonetheless, a guaranteed way home, and I would prefer not to come home because I don't even want to be on the roads. So ultimately, my best favorite New Year's Eve thing would be to go to a party and be able to stay till the next morning. <laughs> that's, that's ideal, but that doesn't always happen because of, 
well, time and kids and places and things and this, that, and the other. So I'm hoping sometime in my life I'll be able to do that. But then again, I was exhausted on New Year's Eve and I was asleep before midnight. I I made it sometime past 1130 because that was the last time I looked at the clock. <laughs> 1130, 1140, somewhere in there. I didn't have my glasses on. So, um, so I didn't even make it to midnight. So it's pretty sad when you can't make it to midnight on New Year's, but whatever. But it was a fun evening. Uh, we, uh, Rebecca had made some mulled wine and uh, us three adults uh, shared it. That's Rebecca, myself and uh, her mom. And it was lovely, lovely, wonderful, uh, strong and good. Our son had some apple juice and then I think he was out before nine-ish, I think. And he doesn't know New Year's. It's He's two. <laughs> he doesn't even know what's going on. He knows something's going on because we're all, you know, listening to music and watching things that we normally don't watch and this, that, and the other stuff. So anyway, and the other thing we did was watch, um, well, my son watched How the Grinch Told Christmas because that's what he wanted to watch. And... My wife and mother-in-law played Animal Crossing, which if you're not familiar with, just Google it. It's a game. We have it on the Wii. It's available on many different platforms. It's kind of get, getting old and archaic because it's just not uh, popular anymore. But if you've been playing before, you've built up a character, so you play. And that's what kind of we all did, but I didn't really partake in the playing part. I was more of an observer commenter. So, but whatever. That was New Year's Eve. And it was fun. It was great. And then New Year's Day, uh, you didn't sleep in, didn't wake up early, just kind of woke up when I woke up. And I don't quite remember when, but the Rose Parade had already been started. It was on television and uh, everybody, you know, it's on and watching and things and whatever. And so once we got our day rolling, uh, Rebecca and I took Drew to one of the malls here in San Diego, and we just walked around to walk around and look, people watch, see what sales there are and things like that. And then we went to a park uh, for Drew so he could run around and um, get some energy out. And while we were walking around, I noticed, uh, well, specifically two that I saw. I'm not sure how many others were there, but two that I saw for a fact because they were in line with us while we were waiting to do some things at the mall. And it was, it was very obvious they were together as a couple, not as friends. You know, let's go do this together. This was a couple's thing. And it was two lesbian couples. And one of the women was, I, would, I don't want to say overly feminine, but was, uh, and this goes for each of the couples. One was wearing makeup and the other one wasn't. And on both couples, the one that wasn't wearing makeup, I'm pretty sure they were wearing a binder. Only because of the flatness that a binder gives the um, uh, a trans man. So that was for sure on one. Because I, 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 I saw what, uh, what I've seen before when I know someone's wearing a binder. And the other one, I'm pretty sure, not 100%. And that's just because of clothing that was being worn. And so I started to wonder, are these two people, are they transgender? Are they transitioning? Or are they just women that prefer to look more masculine, but are still in their own self women? 
which is interesting, just an interesting thought and debate. And I would love to be able to strike up dialogue with these people. But this is not something you're going to walk up to a stranger and talk about in, in, a, in a mixed environment. you just not. <laughs> so, yeah. Then my mind started wandering to the realm of trans women. Because these are trans men I'm talking about. Now I'm thinking trans women. Are there guys that dress to look female? but are still guys. And I don't, I'm not talking, I'm not, please know I'm not talking about uh, drag queens. There's the word. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about trans women, you know, men in everyday life that like to be feminine or f- present female or whatever. And, and yet they're with a man. You know, so this would obviously be a gay man or someone who someone who likes men because they may not identify as gay, um, but has no desire to do any physical changes or hormonal changes or surgical changes or anything like that. They just they are just them, and that is them. But if you look at them, you'd think they are female, and. I started wondering, I don't know if I've ever really have seen that. I'm sure I have. I'm sure I have because, uh, well, most importantly, the movie The Birdcage, Nathan Lane's character is entirely female, but he does not want to be female. He's very proud of being a man, a gay man, an effeminate gay man. So I just, it's how that pendulum swings to me is so... So interesting to observe. So anyway, I started, started I saw these two uh, couples, and that's when my mind just started wandering and, and everything. I mean, it's been in the back of my mind. It's not like I sat there and daydreamed or stared off in space while we were walking around. It's just the little inner workings of my brain. And so it's. I, I hope you understand that little tangent I went off on, because I think it's a lot easier for for women to just be comfortable looking like a guy than it is for a guy to be comfortable looking like a woman. And it's all blamed on society. But, you know, that's that. (laughs) 30-day transgender challenge. Or 30-episode challenge. Question number six. Who was the first person you told about being trans? Uh, Well, this is actually a strange question. Because the first person you tell about being trans is yourself. You tell yourself, hey, I'm trans. And before that, it starts off, hey, I think I'm trans. At least that was what it was for me and a good handful of other people, other trans people I've spoken to. So I hope for you out there in podcast listening world, it was the same for you. So, so, so it's a weirdly worded question. For me, it's a difficult question to answer because the term trans or transgender was not a word when I finally embraced my feminine side. And that's how, how I'll phrase it. So when you think about telling, you're telling a person you're trans then that that would be telling myself at about uh, 19 or 20. 
I was just out of the house, had a little more time by myself to explore without, you know, parents coming home to, to really accept the fact that, yeah, I'm a cross-dresser. That was the term back then. You know, that's what, that's where I labeled myself. And if you listened on past episodes, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's just a label that worked for me at the time. Then if, I mean, that's, so it's the first person is yourself. So let's take that out of the equation. First time I told someone else, that's hard for me to pinpoint because since transgender, which is an umbrella term, wasn't around at the time that I embraced the fact that I called myself a crossdresser, which now by today's standards falls under the transgender umbrella, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I will say this. I know that after I embraced it myself, 19 or 20, maybe even 21 Right in there, right after I left home and started, you know, exploring my own life, uh, it was it was in my mid to late twenties, no later than twenty seven, that I was that I told the girlfriends that I was with, and so it was girlfriends I was with was the first person I really told about being trans, but again, the term wasn't there. Um, who? I can't really be specific. I can't remember which girlfriend I told first. Because, uh, again, my past at that point of my life is kind of a, a a blur in the sense that it's all kind of looped together in my 20s. Uh, not because I don't have a good memory. It's because there was some major things that happened then relationship-wise with different people that ought to not... Carry, I, I chose not to carry with me in my mind. And so in not carrying those memories with me because of the pain or angst or whatever involved, I sacrificed other memories, like the specifics of who I told first. But I made a vow. I, 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 I was with one girl, I told her, and the relationship went very well for the short period of time we, we were together. Then I told either the next girl I was with or the one after that and it didn't or I didn't tell I should say and it didn't go very well so I said okay after this I, or I waited to tell her I should say is a better way to put it and it just didn't go anywhere very well so I made a decision all right and this was in my I want to say 25 to 27 that I said all right whatever relationship I have next I'm telling them up front you know, one of the first things we do before really getting close is I'm going to tell them this. I'm going to say cross-dressing is part of my life. And I would. And most, only one that I remember kind of said, okay, I don't want to be part of it. And we didn't last very long anyway. <laughs> I mean, it was other things that didn't last, but it were. I'm glad. <laughs> but most of the time, it's been very positive. Most of the time, all of them have been like, oh, really? That's cool. Uh, yeah, we'll do that sometime. I'd love to put makeup on you. And that's usually what it was back then. Um, so the first person I told was those girlfriends. But again, I, I agree that the first person you tell is yourself. And one of the uh, past girlfriends that I told that to in the beginning of the relationship, um, we had a long relationship that lasted, well, not to give any details away. I will say over five years, less than 10 years. And she, I was with her when I made my first decision to transition, which was 2003, 2004, right there. 
And it was at that point that transgender was a term. So for technicality, the first person I told I was transgender was her. But again, when we were together, the term crossdresser was more prominent in our daily lingo, you might say. And then this last time, since, since I tried to make a transition back then, and just listen to past episodes, you'll hear that story. So then when I made the decision to come out and transition this time, you know, where we are now, was, again, was me. But I did tell another friend um, before I told my wife. And that was because you just need, you, I needed to get it out before I told her. And he, this gentleman is just a sweetheart and he knows who he is. I don't know if he's listening. He's, he's got some busy times right now for him. So I don't expect him to be listening to my podcast yet. So I hope in the future you will. And you know who you are, Eddie G. I love you, guy. And then I told my wife. So, and, and said transgender. Those were the words, you know, transgender and to transition. So, then after my wife... We told a family friend of ours, um, and uh, who, who's basically a brother, and, and, and he knows who he is. Again, I don't expect him to be listening to the show because he's just not a podcast listener. Uh, and I also told the woman he was with at the time, but she's no longer part of the picture. So, I mean, she knows, and she was supportive. She was cool. Um, but those were the first three people, four if you count my wife, that I really came out to immediately after coming out to myself as transgender. I'm being specific because that's what the specific question is. But really, I came out to myself as a crossdresser in my late teens, early 20s. And then to all girlfriends after my mid-20s. So that's my story for who was the first person that I told about being trans. Now, I'd like to hear your responses. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this particular question. Write them into the Facebook page, send me an email, listen through the end of the show, and you'll find out how to get in touch with me. Okay, it's listener feedback time. Listener feedback. Yay, listener feedback. Okay, now, this listener feedback, if if it involves you and it's out of date sequence, please forgive me because I make these notes using my phone and then I kind of cut and paste into the document that I look at while recording. So it's in no particular order that this happens. It's just the order of how I get it into the system. <laughs> so please just realize that. First one goes out to a dear friend by the name of Alex R. This is someone who uh, who I know locally. Nice guy. Uh, I helped him find the podcast. He was interested in it. And I, through text messaging, talked him through how to find it. And the quick response was that he's really enjoying it. So, Alex, I hope you're still listening. I hope you're doing some marathon listening if my voice hasn't bored you by now. And thanks for joining us. This next thing is iTunes review from December 27th, 2014. Uh, it's also someone else I know. And a dear, dear friend, longtime friend. I've known this person for 20-something years now. 
Um, and that would be uh, the handle on iTunes is Skytography. And they wrote, this type of podcast is so wonderful, especially to those who share your experience of gender change and also those of us who always wanted to know the trials and tribulations. Thank you for being so candid and we appreciate you and look forward to every episode. Well, Skytography, you know I love you and the families. Families? Yeah, of course, I love multiple families, but I love your family is what I was trying to say. And thank you for that. That's so lovely. Thank you for taking the time and moment to do that. Next uh, feedback comes from Billy R. Left a comment on the Facebook page. Love your show. Well, Billy, thanks so much. I appreciate you taking the moment, and I'm glad you're loving the show. Next one goes out to another Facebook comment, Porter T. I've mentioned Porter before. Hello, Porter. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so glad that you and your wife enjoyed the uh, previous episode of, uh, well, not the previous episode, but the episode 14. We'll say the Christmas show. So glad you enjoyed that. But I also want to address the fact that uh, Porter uh, wrote and touched him, wrote and got in touch with me about wanting to do what he can for the show because he likes it so much. And I mentioned it in the comment when you put that there, Porter, but I want to say now in my own voice and words, thank you so much. That's that really floored me. What, what you, what you said and what you offered. It was just so touching. It was, I, I, I've never had that offer before. It was cool. And what I'm talking about. So you don't wonder what is she talking about? Uh, Porter wants to do more for the show and mentioned, uh, you know, monetary contribution. I should look at certain, uh, like PayPal and a couple other things. And I will be looking into PayPal. That's one of the goals this month. So I'll let you know in a future episode, but it's something I've been thinking about since about episode five or six, right? As I was really starting to get on the, uh, the, the, the role, you might say. And because I'm not asking but if somebody wants to hey i'm not going to turn that down you recognize the hard work i put into it thank you is the best thing i can say so it's coming i promise and uh we'll take it from there when the time comes and i want to say just thanks for being so proactive on it next one goes out to another friend of mine that i know in person uh patrick o patrick thank you so much um, he's really enjoying the show, and he wrote to me. Uh, this was amidst some uh, text messaging, and so it. There is more to this sentence before, but what's prominent is this: to experience your ongoing transition from the source. It's thought provoking and truly quite educational. Patrick, wow! I can't. Those are some wonderful words to describe the show. I thank you so much. Another Facebook comment is from, and I may butcher this name, Phaedra D. wrote, and this was this is back in December, so I apologize for taking so long to get back to you here. I mean, I wrote on the Facebook page. <laughs> I mean, saying it here on the show. I'm sorry it took so long. Uh, she wrote, hey, Sabrina, found your podcast last week. Looking forward to diving through the back catalog. Greetings from Ottawa, Canada. Well, hey, greetings from San Diego, California, Phaedra. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I hope you're still listening to us. I hope you're still around listening uh, to the show. So happy you found us. And 
I, 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 I hope you got a chance to marathon the show if that's what you're that's what you're into. Hope my voice didn't bother you and bore you that much. <laughs> so thanks for being here and thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for commenting, okay, taking taking that moment to just say what you said. That's awesome. Now this next feedback is not going to go as quick as uh, the previous feedbacks, and that's because this was an email from uh, Pam H. And it was, it, was a, it was a fairly long email. One was feedback and then some questions, and we're going to address it now. First, right at the top of the email, uh, Pam H. Now, I'm going to say this up front for the listeners. Pam, you didn't specify in your letter, but I have a feeling you're a trans woman. I may be wrong. It's hard to tell from text, but just 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 how um your letter was addressed it it i got the sense of trans woman please forgive me if i'm wrong i i i'm guessing because i have to figure out how to respond to you not that i respond differently to men and women but in the sense of giving you the information that you're asking and i hope that makes sense so diving into it first thing she says was your show is fantastic i like listening thanks for sharing well, Pam, thank you. That's the goal of the show. That's awesome. I'm so glad. Um, and then she goes on and says, noticed a couple things, lots of details into every episode, which is fantastic. I, I try. I do what I can. Uh, and then she continues on with, sometimes I go round and around and around and around. And this is what I mentioned at the back, way back at the beginning of this episode, which is far running too long. And I'm so sorry. I hope I get a chance to cut it down in editing. Uh, but she made the point that I jump around in my descriptions. I'll say five, six, seven, eight, no, nine, ten, eleven. You know, and I just jump around so much. Um, and I'll jump around in years. You know, nineteen ninety nine, no, two thousand two, and um, it's. I mean, and then she says after she sums it up, it's not important. It might be her own OCD. Well, I can get that. I, I I understand. I have my own little things. Not horrible, but I, everybody, I think everybody has a little bit, you know? Everybody likes things just the way they like them. And so she's asking me to just narrow it down and say like five-ish or, you know, a decade ago, things like that. Well, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, it's something I noticed while I was editing that I realized drove me crazy. Again, I apologize, and I will do my best to keep things a little bit more concise. But, but again, realize the show is stream of consciousness. I, I, I'm, I, that's part of my thought process of putting this show together, was making it just me rambling on as formally as I can and not just you know gibberish all around, but having some structure to it, but still being free-flowing. That's, that's, that's part of the show, but I, I under, I, uh, but bottom line, I understand it gets tiring hearing the same thing like that ramble on and on and on and jump back and forth. I heard it in the edit, so I will do my best to keep it a uh, little more concise. We'll say, all right. Also, if I was to script something, it would, it would, it would still be genuine. It would still be sincere, but it would lose some of the charm that I like about the show I'm putting together. The conversational effect, I guess, is what I want to say. Anyway, um, it, it's the only thing I can compare it to 
is the way that uh, back in uh, 89, late 80s, somewhere in there, uh, Eddie Murphy came out with the movie Raw, Eddie Murphy Raw. And it was really, he, he was up on stage and they shot it. Well, what people don't realize is that they took a few takes and then put it together. And I kind of do that here with my stuff. If I'm saying something and I realize it doesn't come across very well, I say it again, and then I say it again. If you listen through the end of the show, you hear some of the outtakes, you know what I'm talking about. Um, Other times, I leave it off the cuff. It's part of the thing. So I will do what I can, but realize that's part of the charm. Now, Pam H. gave some questions, and it's because... She missed the uh, episode of uh, me, or not the episode, but missed the chance on Facebook when I said, hey, everybody, give me questions for Rebecca. And so she missed that because the show had just started, and that's okay, because I'm going to get Rebecca back again, and I'll let you all know when, so you can send in your questions. Uh, Not anytime soon, but probably in the next, hopefully, keep your fingers crossed, six or so episodes, I'm hoping. She she's 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 a busy one, <laughs> but I'm hoping. Um, so Pam's questions. I'm going to start off by saying uh, it's not necessarily the questions you asked, Pam. It's the language words that you chose to use um, to ask the question. Okay, and. Um, any overly sensitive people try not to go off, <laughs> you know, realize that you can skip ahead if you need to, as I talk about this. Okay. It's not anything crazy bad. Don't get me wrong here. I'm just being nice and prefacing it. Okay. Okay. Here we go. First question is, have you decided if you're going to keep your male anatomy? This is not a question that you ask to a stranger, quote unquote. And I know we're trying to, I'm trying to be friends here. You know, I'm putting my life out there. I'm sharing it with the world. But there are things that you have to keep to yourself, even if you are sharing things publicly. If you don't share things publicly, excuse me, if you don't keep things to yourself, you will go insane. You'll go crazy because you'll have nothing left. All your energy will go out, and you'll have nothing to recoup your energy to keep you going. You'll be burnt out. So with that said, this is also a question that is very touchy. Bad choice of words, Sabrina. Very sensitive. (laughs) Another choice of words. Great. Um, It's very delicate. Still not the greatest choice of words, but you know what I mean. Um, for a lot of different people, not just trans people, but people in general, because how often do you walk up to somebody, um, you know, at a restaurant, on the street, in, in a waiting room of some place, you know, and say, oh, do you have a, 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 a piercing, a genital piercing? And now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there are certain locations and areas and people where it's appropriate but not every day not all the time my my point is you don't ask about somebody's groin area unless you maybe know them a little bit better and i'm so glad that you feel that you know me well enough or or are comfortable enough 
to to feel that you can ask that question that honors me that that my show makes you feel that we are that close unfortunately it is a show and that particular bit of information i am keeping to myself and i don't remember where i read it but some trans blog or person or something i read or maybe it was a video and i heard that a person that asks a question about your groin area is usually trying to get there intimately so <laughs> that's that's the realm for for people to ask that question very close friends and people you may be intimate with that's that's who who really can answer that who can ask that question so i'm going to decline to answer that question because of that so now let's address how you said it the 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 term male anatomy it, it can be very offensive to some people just because it has the word male in it i think and this is my own opinion i think the best way to avoid any you know trigger words or awkward moments is just use the clinical term penis that's what it is whether it's a trans woman's penis or a cis male penis it is a penis that's it it's either a girl penis or a boy penis Ta-da! it's a penis regardless so just use that word i mean if somebody has an issue with that well, I, I think you need to reevaluate because that's the clinical word. That's the that's what they use. I mean, there is fallacy and all that stuff, but that just sounds too clinical. Let's just use the word that we all learned in health and call it a penis. And that's just my thought. Some people have may have no problem with the word male anatomy. Um, but I, I think that the term male anatomy you know, it really drives home the fact that it's not... A trans woman's anatomy. So that's, that's, my, that's my two cents on that. All right, next question she writes in, are you going to get breast implants? And now this is another one of those questions that could be considered private because are you going to walk up to a, semi, to a stranger or a semi-stranger and say, hey, are you going to you know, have a pretty invasive surgery to enhance your breasts? You're not really going to ask that to strangers. But then again, the nature of my show is to share my journey. So this topic I don't mind talking about. I haven't really made up my mind. Um, if you go back to the episode where I talk about uh, boobs and my desire for them, um, I realize it may seem like I want them, I mean, implants that is. But as I sit here and record this, and since that episode, which was only, I don't know, about a month ago, it was episode nine or 10, I believe. And I don't know if I'm going to, going to do that. What I want to do is start HRT, let that run its course, you know, a two or three year span and see what happens. Um, most things I've read about HRT, anywhere between that you know, second and third year up until five, maybe six. That's six is the is the not average. That's the high end. So they say between the third and fifth year is when, you know, all, any physical changes along that realm really are done. So I'm going to wait till that has done its thing, see what happens. 
and then make my decision. Um, I haven't really had a chance to be around any uh, breast impl- uh, women with breast implants in any intimate fashion, I mean. Um, I have hugged people that have had them. I have uh, worked with people that have had them. So, you know, you're in an elevator, you brush against each other, not on purpose. It just happens. You walk in a corridor, somebody's trying to get by, uh, you walk over to somebody's desk. I mean, it's normal things. Okay. It's not sexual harassment or anything. It's just life. Right. And the one thing about my brief interactions with, with them is they just don't feel quite right. And when I say feel, I don't mean hands-on. I mean in the sense of a hug or in the sense of literally bumping up against, you know, as you brush by, you know, you, your shoulder or not the shoulder, but the, uh, the bicep or something like that rubs, you know, not rubs, but brushes by. Uh, there, there's so too much of a, uh, of a firmness to it that I don't, I don't know if I would particularly care for. But again, bottom line, I want to wait and see what HRT does before I make any decisions on this. Ultimately, because down the road, they're going to have to be maintained. I think it's 10 years, six to 10 years. You got to, you know, go back in there and redo them. So, I mean, at least that's that right now in 2015, things might be different. But when I first looked at breast implants, which was only about 15 years ago, I mean, seriously looked at them, it was, it was something that needed to be maintained. And so when I looked at that, then I realized, okay, well, if I get it done, I'm going to have to get it done at least another two, three times in my life. I don't know if I want to go through that. I mean, under the knife through that. So that's another factor. So that's, that's how I stand on that. Um, if I were, I'm not looking to go huge. I want to be proportionate. I, I don't want awkwardness. I don't need huge cans. Because you go out and ask any woman that has large, large breasts, majority of them will say that they, their, their, their back hurts, their shoulders are tight, whatever it may be. And... And then, of course, there are the few out there that really enjoy their their well endowedness <laughs> that they that they have, whether it's natural or not. And God bless them if that works for them. So cool. But a majority of the large breasted women that I've come across paths with in my life enjoy the size, but there there are things that you got to sacrifice. You know, um, back pain, stuff like that. So. I don't know if I would really want them or not, but I do know I wouldn't go any, you know, huge things proportionate. Next question she has is, is your wife supportive if you go through with the surgeries? Well, that's very specific to the two questions we just, you just asked. Um, and my wife, if you listen to the uh, episodes, she's very supportive. Uh, she's going through her own transition too. So... But she's supportive of me and my happiness in living authentically. And if, if I chose to have implants, I don't see any reason why she would, you know, object or, you know, not be supportive. I'm sure she would. But it was something we would discuss 
you know, for a while before anything happened. I mean, number one, finance, figure that out, figure out where the money would come from to finance that sort of operation. Number two, timing of things, recovery time, got to take care of the kid, right? So it's not an easy task. And then the last question is, will HRT affect your ability to perform as a male sexually? Okay, that's another one about wording that um, it can be offensive to some because we're not, we trans women are not male, so we don't perform as males sexually. We may use our penises in a vagina, but I wouldn't consider that male. <laughs> um, but I understand your I understand your question, Pam. Um, first of first, this question slowly kind of reaches that point of we don't talk about that to strangers because it's dealing with somebody's intimate parts unless unless they're going to put themselves out there in that manner like a porn star fine ask them you know but to an everyday person not usually a question you would ask even if it was in you know a room full of trans people trans women specifically these are questions you wouldn't just normally throw out um and i know that you know i'm sharing my story on a podcast so the question comes back to me is am i going to share this or not. Well, what I am going to share is um, the fact that eventually on any male to female hormone regimen where you are blocking testosterone and adding estrogen, eventually you're going to be sterile and performance is going to be either difficult or impossible. Now, there are ways around it. It's something you talk with your doctor about, though. Um, HRT reacts to everybody differently. Everybody is different. There are a lot of similarities, of course, but everybody is different. Everybody has a different doctor. Well, I mean, not everybody, but you know what I mean. And so it's a case-by-case scenario. What works for one may not work for another. And what doesn't work for somebody will work for others. So eventually, since you're blocking all that testosterone, which is what makes the penis function as it's supposed to, we'll say, um, eventually, yeah, you're, you're going to lose the typical functionality that's proven. That's what the drugs are meant to do. How long does that take? I've read stories where somebody's been on HRT for 15, 20 years, a long time, right? And they have no issues in performing, we'll sum up. Then there are some people I've read stories about that they've been on for two, three, four, five years, you know, that early stage, as I mentioned, and they can't do anything performance-wise. So everybody's different. Everybody's different. And then, of course, comes up the question of the little blue pill Viagra, and, you know, I don't personally believe that you should probably mix that with HRT. But again, that's a question you ask your doctor. It's just something you got to be upfront about. You know, hey, I like to use my body sexually this way. And I need something to be able to do that. You know, that's what they're there for. That's, that's, what, they're, that's what the doctors are there for. So 
again, case by case, I've I've read of some people stopping their anti their their T blockers, the anti androgenins, to essentially let the body build up more testosterone so they can function. But again, you're messing with your hormone levels, so then it's not going to work as 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 uh, prescribed, we'll say. So, I mean, it's just that's the goal of HRT. I mean, bottom line, different for everyone. Everybody has a different HRT regime and routine and doctor. And eventually, you're going to stop using it in any sense that you may know from before you came out. Period. This information comes from many years of searching on the internet um, and reading blogs. So the inter- the information's out there. So search it out for yourself, Pam, or ask a doctor. That's really what I can say to that. Hey, I know that the episode's running a little long, but uh, I wanted to bring this up since this really just happened, and that is the news of the trans, I'm going to say girl, because she was a teenager, um, Leela Alcorn. And if that, if that name doesn't bring a bell, um, <laughs> I, I know I say this a lot, but Google it. Holy mackerel. Well, really, Facebook it. Search it on Facebook. Search it as a hashtag on Facebook or Twitter. It's out there, and it's crazy out there. If you haven't heard it by now, it was a very sad story about a trans, a young trans girl, a 17-year-old, who was not getting the support or uh, uh, medical attention that she needed and sadly felt that suicide was her only way. And so she set up a suicide note and a letter of apologies, two separate entries on her Tumblr. And my guess is that she set them up to schedule automatically or queued them up for whatever. If you're not familiar with Tumblr, you can schedule posts at at very specific times or schedule them to happen every few hours, every you know few minutes, or whatever the case may be. It's an adjustable way to, to do your posts. And from what I got out of reading her story is she set up these two particular posts. One was the, the first one was a suicide note, and then the next one, which came a few, I believe, minutes later, within a half hour, I believe, if memory serves, Uh, basically apologizing to her siblings and telling her parents to fuck off. Um, I surmise it because the information's out there for you. And I only bring it up in this extra section of trans news because it is so prominent. And it is the one time in my life where, unfortunately and sadly, that the, the death the passing of a person who happens to be trans has made a huge impact on the world, or at least America. 
I, I'm, I'm sh- I don't know how far it's reached. I, I, I got overwhelmed, and so I stopped looking at the story. Uh, and I'm, I, I have a couple news pages open tabs on my, on my browser that I refresh to see if there's any updated information, but I've stopped searching. I've, I've been off of Facebook for most of this particular day that I'm recording because it's too much. I don't need to see it. And that goes back to what I've spoken about in the past. I can't have all that negative information around me. I get it. And for me with this specific case of, of Leela Alcorn, I mean, she's in New York. Uh, what am I saying? She's in Cincinnati, Ohio, or was. And I'm in San Diego, California. I, I Physically, I cannot do a darn thing. Financially, I can't really do anything. I can tell you about it. I can share a little bit of the story with you and guide you to the internet to find it. Uh, to educate yourselves, to go through the process. Um, and then I can share with you how I sc- discovered it. I was in bed scrolling through Tumblr, which is usually one of the things I do before falling asleep. Not always. It's one of the things that I do to try to fall asleep. We'll leave it at that. And I don't remember if it was a follower or if I kind of clicked the link on a profile from here to there and was looking around. And I saw it was a reblog of the suicide note and, and it's titled suicide. (laughs) And so I read it and I'm like, what's going on here? And the entire time I'm thinking, Oh God, did they get to her in time? Did somebody intervene? Did somebody help? Did somebody do something? Cause I don't know the dates I'm looking on my phone. I, I don't know how many dates or what the dates are uh, on, on a de- desktop laptop. You can see it, but I haven't been able to figure out on a phone. So I don't know how old this particular post is. And so I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm searching through Tumblr, trying to find her Tumblr. And I found it. And that's when I found that second post after the suicide note, like I mentioned. And so I read it as if it, you know, as if it's a story. I mean, it felt like I was reading a book where I went from one thing to the next and I was, I was emotionally attached and, Oh no, what's going to happen next. And so I think I clicked on somebody's on one of the friends that liked the, uh, the, the post, the entry. And I was looking at different profiles that made comments on it and this, that, and the other thing. And finally I found someone who posted a link to the uh, newspaper story about teen found hit by truck and it all happened in a matter of 10 minutes maybe and i was just floored that this person who was very eloquent spoke out for help and the parents essentially rejected it therefore forcing this individual to see the only way out was death And what saddened me more is she was 17. She could hold on one more year and be gone with her, be done with her parents. Never see them again if she didn't want to. One year or less since she was already 17. Less than a year. I don't know how less than a year, but still, it's less than a year. It's less than 365 days. So 
for 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 this individual to not to see that death is better than waiting 365 days kills me oh sorry wrong choice of words i'm so sorry oh please forgive me but it crushes me um that that's the only way they saw out so what i say to you is i share my story of experiencing her story but if you know anybody that's hurting, forget their trans status, cis status, gender status, fuck that. If you know somebody's hurting, inside I mean, reach out. If you haven't seen any posts from any friends on Facebook in a while, reach out to them. Maybe they're just fed up with Facebook or whatever, so they don't want to be on it for a week or two. I get it. I get that way. I take a hiatus every once in a while. I think everybody should, because we don't need that all the time. I miss it when it's gone, don't, don't get me wrong, but I don't need it all the time. So the reason I bring up my story with Leela and how I came across it is because I wanted you to experience it, but also to realize how loud her voice after death actually is. It's quite, quite impressive. That everybody that I see on Facebook, at least, and Twitter and Tumblr, is all over her story. And she was right. If, if you read any of the, the note that she wrote, she was right in that her death would speak volumes. I, I, I'm paraphrasing. I'm using my own words. And that saddens me that we had to go through a loss to make such a gain in the transgender world. So, I say to my trans brothers and sisters, if you're not already, please make sure that you know her story because I guarantee somebody out there is going to hear that story and then they're going to ask the closest trans person they know, hey, did you hear about? You're trans. You must know about this. I hate that mentality, but realize it's there because that's human nature. They wanna, we want to group things together. So if somebody's trans, they're going to think you know about or other trans people. Chances are you do, but you know what I mean. So I highly suggest knowing at least a little bit of information about this, a little more than what I shared. I mean, at least read what she wrote. I Stay away from the news articles is my suggestion. Formulate your own things. Read her words. Take it right from the source. And just be aware of it so when in the next probably two or three years before, you know, either something bigger than her comes, her story comes around, or the fact that her story has been moved on, you know, they've, they've done some sort of memorial or some sort of uh, scholarship program or something, you know, something in her name is already done. After that, then I think it'll kind of die down. But until that point, this is going to be hot news. This is going to be on the burner, on fire for a long time because she was so eloquent. So that's my thing for you. Oh, wow. Is it that time now we can shut this episode down? Oh, folks, I'm so sorry. I rambled on. I am exhausted this evening. 
I hope you're still with me. I try to keep it as informative and interesting and entertaining as possible. But, hey, I'm one woman, and I can only do what I can do. Bottom line, I thank you all for sticking around. You folks are wonderful. I hope you know that. I hope you appreciate that. I hope you understand how awesome I think you all are. So, for next episode, I'm going to talk about general safety in public. Simple episode, but we all got to think about it. Stuff to keep us safe in public. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. And if we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. Stay crazy, everyone. Time for outtakes. I'm sure you remember the holidays. So, you know, I bumped the mic. But I want to listen. I want to. <laughs> um, it, I, I listen to it as uh, frequently. And, and believe me, certain things annoy me that I try to take care of, care of, of, of for you guys. I don't know what's going on. Like, that was weird. I don't know what was happening with the mic. It phased out. It was strange. Okay, time for second episode. Time for second episode. And the, take that again. That's my story for who was the person. Let me bump the mic. Let me just bump the mic. Is trying to be intimate with you. Now, let's rephrase that. I got sidetracked. Before anything happened, excuse me if I burped. Found it. And I bumped the mic. You've been listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast. Or at the website, changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! Disclaimer time! I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, Please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. 
And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2015 by me, Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening.